Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cabin Boy Minute, Minute 2. Minute 2. Here we have a continuation of the credits over a map of unknown places in the Pacific Ocean. We will continue with highlights from the credits and cast and wrap up with a rundown of what a regular minute will look like. First, with our costume designer, Colleen Atwood. Yeah, Queen Atwood. She is not dead. Worked for Tim Burton for many years. And uh, we also have uh, Steve Bartek. He is the man who composed the music for the movie. He is the lead guitarist for the new wave band Oingo Boingo, which some of you may know of. They uh, certainly had some notoriety and put out plenty of music. He was in Oingo Boingo with Danny Elfman. Oingo Boingo is originally uh, a surrealistic music musical theater troupe that was formed by Danny Elfman. Bartek joined that and eventually turned into the band itself, Oingo Boingo. Danny Elfman started getting into movies, producing scores, and then Bartek joined him. And uh, Bartek has a pretty long list of movies that he scored and worked with many more than I can uh, possibly get into here. Cabin Boy, obviously one of his most notable works, and as we will note throughout the movie, it does a really excellent job giving the movie a, a uh, the proper sort of light, odd, weird, twisted tone throughout. He was in the movie Back to School, where Oingo Boingo was the house band. Bartek. We also have the uh, director of photography, that is Steve Iaconelli. He is unfortunately dead, died of a diving accident in Panama. Oh, uh, Steve Bartek, not dead, just for a point of reference. Steve Iaconelli, uh, not known for his work on Cabin Boy, uh, did operate a camera in War Games, and uh, was the director of photography for Karate Kid Part 3. And then uh, there's there's some other folks who were involved. Uh, we have the, the folks who were involved in the casting, Rick Pagano, Sharon Bialy, Debbie Manweller, as well as the editor, John Pohl, uh, production designer, Steve Legler, all fine folk who I believe are still alive. And then uh, our next big credit is story by Chris Elliott and the first appearance of the great Adam Resnick. Yes. So also screenplay by Adam Resnick. So Adam Resnick is still alive. He's 50 years old. He's from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. The more I learn about Adam Resnick, uh, the more I am both interested and baffled by his just <laughs> his overall persona his i don't know his credits just everything about him is mystifying to me mm, complicated he man <laughs> he is and this cabin boy minute is through a lot of use of the kino lorber dvd with the behind the scenes uh, interviews as well as there were interviews done at the same time as the audio commentary with both Resnick and Chris Elliott. And this is where we really get to learn kind of what Cabin Boy meant to Resnick and his career and how, in his mind, this Cabin Boy movie really took down his career. And he's seemingly very resentful of it still to this day. So a lot of what we want to talk about here is how that came to be. Is that justified? 
his feelings of this resentment. I mean, obviously, we didn't have to live through it as he did, but hopefully when he listens to every minute of this podcast, he will see that there are many of us out here who do appreciate his work. I mean, he seems like the kind of guy that would be happy to hear that, but still never give himself the credit. He's a deeply, deeply scarred man. It would be interesting to get his perspective on our perspective. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, when you go to look for things on the internet about him, it's, it's interesting. I mean, his IMDB, although it does have his writing credits and things, and as even a Wikipedia page, like there's so little out there. And I feel like it's because of him. Like he just, uh, I, this is conjecture, but that he just doesn't want to put this stuff out here or doesn't talk about himself a lot or is that kind of guy. I don't know. I I recently, I have not read it yet, but I'm looking forward to reading it. He does have a book called Will Not Attend, and the subtitle is Lively Stories of Detachment and Isolation. So I think that kind of sums up how Adam Resnick views himself. So his his actual credits, you know, he co-created and wrote Get a Life with Chris Elliott, which was a project that both Chris Elliott and him uh, and Resnick worked on while writers for the David Letterman show. So that's where they where they both met. His more notable things, he was co-executive producer of one season of the Larry Sanders show. He created and wrote a show for HBO in 1996, which would it looked like it was one of the first things that he did after Cabin Boy called High Life. Uh, and his, his other big movie that he's known for is Death to Smoochie. More recently, he's uh, he's a writer on an HBO show called Divorce, which I've never seen. I guess it ran from 2016 to 2019. And another movie that was also a bomb was called Lucky Numbers that he did, starring John Travolta and Lisa Kudrow on Rotten Tomatoes. It got a 22%. Ooh, that's not good. To put that into perspective, Cabin Boy got a 46%. And actually, the audience review, they, you know, they give the critic review and an audience review. And usually, for a movie like this, the audience review is much higher than the critic review. But for this, the audience review is 42%. People, Cabin Boy Minute Universe, I am throwing the gauntlet down to you and challenging. We have to get that number up. Mm-hmm. There's no reason it should be below the critic response for this self-proclaimed cult classic. Because this movie, while absolutely wonderful, really appeals to a subset of the general population. Most folks, when exposed to this movie, come away confused and probably feeling slightly damaged. But then there is the subset of people who think it's great. And it may be that that's just a little more concentrated on the critical side of things versus the general audience. And that's the the effect we're seeing there on Rotten Tomatoes. But I do appreciate the call to improving the movie score. And I I second your uh, suggestion that anyone listens to this pod, when you're done, go hop on Rotten Tomatoes. Give the movie the five stars that it deserves. Let the people know. It's true. And and I do want to take this opportunity to express the fact that this podcast is something more. Really, it is not meant to passively sit by and listen. You know, we need to take action for these important steps as they are presented to us through this research. 
and make sure that Cabin Boy is put a little higher on the pedestal that we believe that it should be. Completely agree. This surprised me. So there is, for the 67th Annual Academy Awards, David Letterman hosted. Yes. And there are these Cabin Boy auditions for the Wanna Buy a Monkey line. So there's a little segment that's mocking Cabin Boy and putting it out on this grand stage for the Academy Awards. Who directed that segment? Adam Resnick. Wow. Right? So wow. what what that it just it, it spins my head because you listen to him on the commentary. He's so resentful of the fact that it wouldn't die as he puts it. It was kept being put out into the public stage, as we'll get into, because of you know Letterman's notoriety and just that it was an ongoing joke on Letterman. But here he is contributing to that legacy behind the scenes directing this segment for the Academy Awards. And and I can only, again, conjecture. I have no information on this. We'll have to wait for the Resnick interview, which we are hoping comes. Yes. That, you know, it's the kind of thing that how he did all of this stuff, where Letterman was probably talked to him, told him or somebody, you know, that they were doing this, maybe asked him and he just couldn't say no. And he, it's, a, it's almost like he couldn't help but hurt himself, you know? Yes. Yep. Very much get the feeling that he's the type of person who, if he feels even the tiniest sense of obligation He's going to do it. He'll do, you know, if somebody is like, oh, hey, can, can you help me out with this? He'll help. And he will just, he'll, he'll <laughs> hold all the resentment inside. Oh, how could you do this to me? If you won't express it, he'll just hold it in there and then it'll fester for years. For, for 25 years until he lets it, most of it out on the audio commentary <laughs> of Cabin Boy. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I think he's got plenty still in the tank there. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, that, interesting. that kind of idea is a perfect segue into the next credits, which are produced yes. by Denise DeNovi and Tim Burton. Just to address Denise DeNovi first, I mean, she was a longtime collaborator with Tim Burton. She mm-hmm. did Edward Scissorhands with him, Batman Returns, Nightmare Before Christmas, and of course, Cabin Boy. Tim Burton is known for those movies just mentioned. So Tim Burton, who's also alive, he's about 62 years old. Again, he's known for Edward Scissorhands, The Corpse Bride, Sweeney Todd, Beetlejuice, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Batman, Batman Returns. So a lot of these, you know, big, big blockbuster movies. There's a a certain sensibility to his movies. He has that, it's Mm kind of like a mix of goth and weird and, um, it's just cool. Burton uh, got a Disney fellowship to Cal Arts, and then he left ah. Cal Arts to do his own thing. So th- here, here is where we have this merge of Tim Burton and Resnick. And just to address here how kind of uh, overall this all came together. So the story is that Tim Burton liked the show Get a Life. And he reached out to whoever, the agents or Resnick uh, directly, who knows, to, to just do something, to have, a, uh, to have a meeting together. 
And again, this is recounted in detail in the commentary and or the interviews that accompany the Kino Lorber soundtrack. So before their meeting, I believe Elliot was watching a 1937 movie called Captain's Courageous, which was actually a very good movie. It was up for, I, I haven't seen it. I should, I will at some point. It was a swashbuckling tale that was nominated for Best Picture in 1937. The actor Spencer Tracy won Best Actor. And this is where the seed for the idea of Cabin Boy came up. So it, in a way, is a parody of Captain's Courageous. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the characters, I believe they said, were loosely based on some of the characters in Captain's Courageous. So that was where the cabin boy trajectory kind of started. Yes. So they had their meeting. They mentioned that cabin boy piece. They put a, you know put together some ideas. Burton said he he really liked the idea. So the story goes, they had a meeting again with Burton discussing this idea for Cabin Boy or some sort of swashbuckling adventure where they inserted all of these Tim Burton-esque ideas into the screenplay. So it was a little weird, a little quirky. And during that meeting, Tim Burton apparently just got the reviews for Batman Returns, which was this big blockbuster movie. And the reviews were great. Mm -hmm. So... Resnick's understanding of what happened in retrospect was that Burton was kind of elated during this meeting. They sat down. He's like, yeah, we should definitely do this. This sounds great. Why don't you direct it? All of a sudden, at the flip of a switch, went from them doing the writing to now Resnick is directing. And I don't know if up to this point, it doesn't seem so on his credits that he directed anything up to this point. So he certainly not a movie or a movie of this magnitude where it would be Tim Burton's name is associated to this. So this just kind of machine started of Cabin Boy, and the fuel that kept it going was the association with Tim Burton. And because it was associated, as we mentioned in episode one, you know, Tim Burton did work with Touchstone Pictures, that Touchstone Pictures had such faith in Tim Burton that they just, because Tim Burton gave the okay and suggested that Adam Resnick did the directing for this movie, everything just kind of got greenlit all along the way. The studio would just give them all sorts of money, whatever they asked for. They just kept pushing this along, where without Tim Burton, that likely would have never happened. Yes, as we'll as we'll learn later on when uh, we get into some of the commentary and Elliot and Resnick are discussing it, everything happened very very fast, and they were totally unprepared for it, and it had knock on effects, which we'll delve into as we get on through the movie, and and all sorts of implications for choices that were made, which ultimately give the movie the really weird kind of odd flavor that it has because it's the combination of Chris and Adam's sort of comedic sensibilities, this callback to Captain's Courageous. They're also wanting to bring in the flavor of uh, the old Ray Harryhausen kind of adventure movies and the stop motion animation, all that. Combine that with Tim Burton's sensibilities. And so you, you take that mix and then you combine it with a studio machine that just goes, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> go do your thing 
and uh, it, it will lead to the movie that uh, we have all come to know and love. But all started all started with Tim Burton deciding he'd like to get a life and this meeting occurring while Tim was happy. Right. So a, a unique chain of events that brought this movie about and kept it going. But it, it is some necessary context as you continue to dive deep into this movie and kind of why things are the way they are. As far as the actual minute itself goes, again, we see credits, uh, those of which we just talked about. There's the background of a map. Yeah, so we we continue to pan around the map, which, as we discussed in the prior minute, represents somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. Neither Brian nor I were able to identify precisely where all of the locations that... uh, are brought up on the map don't appear to actually exist in real life and unfortunately we've never been able to quite place where the map is yeah on the map is just a couple more text details there's raucous shoals and danger sound if our audience can use any of these bits of information to try and pinpoint we imagine it within uh, a day's sail of hawaii so we have Danger Sound, Keel Straits, Camberic. If you have better research skills than us, please share with us where you believe this part of the Pacific Ocean is. Love to hear it. We have the continuation of the fish swipes from earlier. A few more fish coming through, separating each of the cast members. 11 new fish swiping. So for a grand total of 18 fish that have swiped. Varying colors, some number of species. I do not believe each fish is distinct species. I think there are some repeats there. Yep, and then at at the end of the map, on written on the map, it pans down and we see the quote, Nothing so liberates the heart as when a fool awakes from his folly. Now, it appears that this is no real quote from anywhere. This was likely made up. So... To get to what we're going to be doing throughout our podcast going forward. So one of the things that we're going to be taking a look at is this quote. Nothing so liberates the heart as when a fool awakes from his folly. And analyzing the evolution of Nathaniel throughout this movie, from Fancy Lad at Steppenwood Finishing School to his work as a cabin boy on The Filthy Whore, and whether his heart truly does get liberated, or whether us, the viewer's heart, truly gets liberated, and whether we feel that he does indeed awake from his folly, or if we determine that he was uh, making a folly in the first place. Yeah, we're going to use this quote as kind of context for the whole movie, for the whole journey of Nathaniel and for our journey as viewers and consumers of this film and this story. Which again, thinking about it like that, You know, you go back to in minute one when we were talking about cabin boy in quotes and, you know, maybe that's, again, hearkening to this idea of liberating his heart, awakening from his folly. Is he really a cabin boy? Because if we say he's a cabin boy, maybe that does cue the viewer to thinking that he indeed has changed. Something to think about. So maybe that's why Resnick was fighting for it, did not want to give the secret away. (laughs) 
credit the credit. <laughs> As his audience, I'm sure, was taking this very deep look at this survey of humanity that we know as Cabin Boy. And the screening as people were coming in, and he's like, okay, so really setting this up as a psychological examination of a man who begins his life just as a as completely privileged and knows nothing about the real world, and we're going to show what he goes through. Yeah, having the title of the movie and the concept of the character be somewhat indeterminate. <laughs> I think is perfect in the context of the movie. It also works in the context of the quote and our own sort of interpretation and experience of Nathaniel and the movie as a whole. It hangs together, but is not completely connected with each other, right? It's like there's a, a slight dissociation there. I like it. So some of those other uh, kind of nuts and bolts of our episodes. Yes. What we're going to do, what you're going to hear in each episode going forward is we're going to run through the scene. Anything that we find along the way that we think is worthy of a little digging in. We're going to go see what the internet has to offer. And we're going to talk about anything that we can find to make sure you have the proper context to understand the movie and maybe learn a little bit along the way. We're going to talk about the audio commentary that came along with this special edition. Again, that commentary has Adam Resnick, Chris Elliott, and Mike Sachs, who's an author and moderates the interplay between Resnick and Elliott. And we're going to use that to, again, give context to the scene, kind of how it was made and what they were thinking. After we run through the scene, talk about whatever we've researched, talk about the commentary, we'll bring in some of the other kind of outside bits, such as interviews and what have you. We'll then do the deep analysis that I know you guys are really interested in. We'll talk about who won the scene, so which which character in the scene, or possibly not even a character, really took the Oscar for that particular scene. And uh, we'll also discuss what could make that particular minute more palatable, because <laughs> we have to admit that the movie was not well-loved, as we've discussed. It's really, it's deeply appreciated by a certain segment of people, but lots of other folks don't really understand it. So are there any modifications that could be made, in our opinion, that would make it more interesting to a wider audience? Definitely. As well as we have a screenplay that was one of the original drafts of Cabin Boy, written October 15th, 1992, where we see some extra scenes that we can get a different perspective on. We'll talk about some other things like celebrity replacements. For instance, they talk about how Bill Murray actually visited the set on at least one occasion. If Bill Murray did this part, what would this look like? And perhaps any other celebrities that might play the role a little differently or perhaps add to its weight to make it a little more accessible to the general public. And then lastly, some other things that we like to talk about, a philosophical pondering of some sort of great depth that... As we all know, this movie can uh, promote thought and intellectuality at every turn. So we try to use the opportunity to look for that and uh, mine the scene for a greater understanding for not yes. only the movie, but life as a whole. Absolutely. And we will continue to measure and look at 
gags per minute. So this is funny things that happen. Uh, Rob and I will engage in uh, some sometimes some uh, heated back and forth dialogue <laughs> on what's funny, uh, what individual pieces are funny, or what we'll call gags, which are just little jokes throughout the scene, and give a number of that, a number of gags in that minute. We know uh, data is very useful for projects such as this. And then we'll say, overall, we'll try to come up with a consensus whether that one minute is funny or not funny overall. Yes, which also will lead to some heated debates. So again, thank you for joining us on Cabin Boy Minute, Minute 2, and we will see you next episode where we get into real live action and see our great friend Chris Elliott in action. Can't wait. (laughs) See you next week, people. Adios. again for joining us on cabin boy minute please help spread the word tell your friends about us and rate and subscribe on your podcast medium of choice check out our episode notes where you can find calls to action details on how to support the pod or leave us a message or find us on twitter at at cabin boy minute we look forward to joining you again next week bon voyage